Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Gabby Ree Show, where everything is an experiment. You know, I went from 30 pounds overweight, super sick on nine prescription drugs to zero prescription drugs, being able to maintain my weight with no dieting, just eating real food. And the people around me were like, the people who worked with me and my friends and my family in my town of Charlotte, they were like, what are you doing, girl? You look totally different than when I saw you when you were growing up, you know? And I wanted to tell them. The level of expert has been completely changed in terms of the definition of an expert and who you should believe and who you shouldn't believe. And, you know, my parents growing up were very, you know, to the book in terms of, oh, you're having asthma or you're having eczema. Let's go to the dermatologist. Oh, they want to give you a cortisone shot and put you on cortisone cream, you know, another two prescription drugs. Uh, Sure. You know, and it's the doctor telling you to do this. It's not what we have today, which I feel like we're finally having an awakening moment where people are questioning, wait a minute, am I really supposed to be experiencing this eczema and asthma? Or are there other issues that are actually the root cause of these situations in my body? Can I explore those in a different way? And maybe there's a different way other than taking prescription drugs that have a litany of side effects and unknown effects uh, long-term on the human body. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is food activist, author, creator of The Food Babe, Vani Hari. And in doing my research of Vani, I found it so fascinating that here you have a highly intelligent woman. She used to work with banks and in securities. She has a computer science degree. And through her own experience of not being well, eating a lot of the wrong foods, getting sick, it sort of led her on this path of realizing that she could manage and contribute to her health by her food, which then led her to looking, you know, this is someone who's on the debate team in high school, at looking at the food industry and saying, hey, uh, I'm going to quit my grown-up job. I'm going to take a risk here because I have to go for this. I, ha-, You know, she got herself healthy, lost a ton of weight, healed her own eczema, and asthma and things like that. She was somebody who was on medications for asthma and sleep and other things. And so with this comes a lot of criticism. And this is the part that always fascinates me. So for example, let's say you go to a food brand that is doing children's products and they put ingredients that in Europe they don't allow. And someone says petitions 
them. So Vani figures out how to petition these companies and say, hey, listen, I've got 200 and, you know, 15,000 signatures or, you know, 50,000 signatures or whatever it takes. We'd like you to look at this. And a lot of this is they don't even have to figure out what the recipe is. They already have it because they do it in Europe, but yet they don't change it here. And so when you take on a behemoth like the food industry, you're going to you're going to have a lot of criticism. And so Vani, in in a genuine attempt to want to share this information, look into this, ask these companies that are, you know, putting food in all of our groceries uh, to be accountable, which to me is, it seems like pretty reasonable, is really, you know, they're going to say things like, oh, you don't have a degree in, you know, food science and chemistry. Well, the people who make our food, they do, and we know how well that's working out. So I think that's sort of a silly argument at this point. But I, I just admire the questioning, the process, and she's been very successful at it. She has uh, several books, The Food Babe Way, Feeding You Lies, which sort of talks about her experience of getting hammered um, during this process, Food Babe Kitchen, and she has a book coming out called food babe family where now she has two children she'll be sharing you know recipes which by the way if you go to her site and her instagram she gives away a ton of free information and if you want to get more involved you can go to uh, thefoodbabe.com and they can tell you how you can get involved she also has created a company called true vani they've got supplements and protein powders and personal care so it's alternatives and options with the right kinds of in ingredients. And listen, one thing I know, and I, I do find it interesting, it's like we expect people that are trying to do better to be perfect or to get every single post right or every single ingredient. And the fact is, I don't think it's possible, but at least she's willing to put herself out there and ask the questions. She's inspiring, she's smart. And um, I don't know if you remember years ago when they were talking about the Subway bread. You know, it's basically has this sort of material that makes yoga mats kind of evenly fluffy and spongy. Well, they were putting that in the, in the bread. Well, Bonnie found out about this and she was the person responsible for that or for asking Chipotle, like, please tell us what is in your food and your ingredients and things like that. So I think a lot of us want to do more and we're scared. Uh, we're scared of criticism. We're scared because we are not perfect, but Bonnie is not only a great reminder of what is possible when you believe in something, but that there's really no choice. I think it is so important for us to figure out how we can navigate our grocery aisle because it's pretty difficult. And if you have people who are already stressed out, working such long days, trying to navigate their families and also on a budget, this is really hard. So I, I really appreciate her and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Ani. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Gabby. I am so <laughs> excited to be here today. Let me just tell you, I have been such a huge fan of yours for it feels like a lifetime since my probably my 20s. I'm 43 now. So it's been a it's been a while, but I used to go to your website and look at all the workouts you were doing with your little group of women 
not little, I mean, your amazing group of women um, that you would do in Hawaii and you would like publish the YouTube and the workouts. And I would do those all the time. And it, it's just, it's just an awe moment right now for me to be here with you. And I just thank you so much. And can I tell you something else that's just ridiculous? That's the most ridiculous thing in the whole world. Absolutely. Okay. So a few months ago, I was at the beach with some friends and we were playing this game where you ask everybody these questions. And the question was, who would you like to be dead or alive, like switch places with them in their life? And I said, Laird Hamilton, because I wanted to know what it felt like to be that fearless in the Mm. ocean on those giant waves and to be in the ocean every day and like be that being your like job and like Mm -hmm. your passion. And I think that would be just so amazing because I'm an avid scuba diver and I love the ocean and everything else, but it's like, gosh, to have that, that powerful fearlessness about yourself and to think that you can just take on mother nature like that. I want to do that. Like, I want to know what it feels like to be him anyway. So fast forward to, we have this weekly meeting. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm the a co-founder of Trubani, an organic product company. And we have a weekly meeting where we ask these type of questions to our entire team every single week. And that question popped up again. And so I told the whole team I wanted to be Laird Hamilton. And then today I got to tell them on the call, hey guys, guess who I'm interviewing with? So guess whose podcast I'm on? Like, it was the coolest thing. I have to tell you, Yanni, I've been in, I, like, I let's say I'm the, literally for the, almost 27 years I've been with Laird, we have surfed together maybe 15 times, let's say, not very much. And there have been times that I have looked over and thought, God, that he looks like he knows how to have a lot of fun in this environment. You know, like I love the water and I feel comfortable, but I think you, you have an interesting point because I think Laird's ability to to sort of find patches of harmony with that energy is very unusual. And, it, and I say to him, you know, that must be feel really good. Um, and so it, it's a it, it's a very interesting uh, and astute observation by you. So I can appreciate that because it is. It's like, you know, as you see that with certain snowboarders or people who just can find this harmony within nature um, that is is so special. So I, I want to say too that um, you know after doing all my homework to get ready for this, that um, I really appreciate your strength and courage to do what you're doing because I know that it's not easy and it's so important. So I just want to start by just saluting you for doing something that I think is, is so valuable for everyone. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Gabby. I appreciate that. Of course. So let's dive in. So I think maybe for me, when someone takes something on because it's almost out of their control, like, no, I have to do this. Your story is one that it's like you had a different job, a real job, and you were taking a professional path um, and you found, you know, and I want you to fill in the blanks here, that you had your own health issues and sort of learning about what's really going on in the food business. You decided, okay, I'm going to leave my really grown up job. And I, I would imagine coming from an Indian family, this is about, this is almost like breaking you know, sort of a cultural expectation, right? Like you're going to do well in school and you're going to get an amazing job and wait, what do you mean? You can't do that anymore. So 
I would love to, if you could take me to sort of the place of, oh, wait a second, I'm realizing that what I'm eating is poisoning me basically on some level and I'm going to do something about it. Where, What inside you, because I think a lot of us have these moments and it's so hard to follow or to know how to follow. So maybe you could just share sort of that part of your journey and how you were feeling and, and um, why you decided to kind of pull the ripcord and just go for it. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina with two immigrant you know, Indian parents, as you mentioned. And so, you know, when my dad had an arranged marriage to, to my mom, he brought her to the United States for the first time ever and said, hey, if we're going to live in America, we're going to eat like Americans. He'd already been here for like a few years going to school. And so he introduced my mom to a McDonald's hamburger and was like, here's, you know, here's what we're going to be eating now. My mom had never had beef before in her life. You know, and she she kind of quickly realized like this diet wasn't for her, and she tried to like relearn what her mother was cooking and teach herself the Indian recipes, etc. With a small Indian community that she started to 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 get in Indiana um, back in the 1960s, and then in South Carolina where they lived, and then now North Carolina where they live, and so it was you know a situation where. My mom did not know how to cook anything American, right? She knew how to do anything because of what the processed food industry marketed towards her. So it was Betty Crocker. It was Hamburger Helper. It was the mozzarella sticks in the freezer. It was, you know, all of the Salisbury steak microwave dinners, whatever I wanted to eat that other kids on the block were eating because we were the only Indian family, like in the probably 50 mile radius of my house. Yeah. You know, if I wanted to look like and eat like and do everything around like all the people around me, I she had to to like give into this system, right? And she didn't really have the homemade recipes of the past that her grandmother made. It was all, you know, curries and gulab jamuns and all that kind of stuff, which was is fantastic and delicious, but I thought it was awful growing up because I again wanted to fit in. So I completely shunned my mother's homemade cooking. You know, she would go to the farmer's market. She would be shelling her own peas. She'd be doing all of this work every single day. I would see her in the kitchen and I, w- I spent no time in the kitchen with her because it was something, first of all, Indian parents didn't really want their children to do because they wanted to learn math and science. And it was something that, um, that I saw her do, but didn't participate in at all. And I knew as soon as I had children, that was going to change big time. But, um, Fast forward to my early 20s where I just hit rock bottom. I was working 60 to 70 to 80 hours a week working for a big time consulting firm. I was right out of college. Um, Again, I outsourced my food decisions to this firm that wanted us to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner on their account so that we would bill hours to the client. And we would get things catered in like big, you know, huge bagel breakfasts and these giant muffins the size of your head and at lunchtime, it would be a spread of Italian. And of course, there'd be tiramisu waiting for you at the end. And then uh, at night, it would be a big, you know, spread of barbecue and banana pudding. I mean, it was just insane, the amount of food that they were bringing in for all these people to eat. And then, you know, then I worked some night shifts because we were converting, this is so boring, but converting 27 different bank um, platforms into one. So back then, when I first started doing this, 
if you wanted to deposit a check in Georgia and you lived in South Carolina, you couldn't do that. So that was the work that I was doing is like making sure people had this ability to do this awesome things that they needed to do with their money. So I had to work in the middle of the night and the only things to eat in the middle of the night, donuts, right? Hot, fresh now, Krispy Kreme. And I was eating them. Um, I hit rock bottom real quick. I mean, took, took three or four months and I ended up with appendicitis in the hospital getting my appendix taken out. And at the time they, you know, all the literature and everyone said, you know, getting your appendix out, it's not a big deal. This is something you don't even need it. You know, why did God put it there? You know, you don't even need it. Because nature puts all kinds of things that we don't need, right? And so I'm like, oh yeah, of course, this is no big deal, right? But it took me forever to recover from that. And then I started to do my own research and it just spawned this whole new awakening in my body that like, gosh, I never want this kind of situation to ever happen to me again. And I never want to feel this bad again where I'm overweight, sick in the hospital when all of my other 20-year-old friends are out partying and having fun and meeting guys and doing all this stuff and going to fancy parties, I'm sitting here feeling awful. And I just decided right then that I was going to do research. So the first thing I researched was actually my appendix. And I found out your appendix actually populates your gut with beneficial bacteria. And the only reason your appendix would get inflamed is because you're eating a bunch of junk. And so I looked at my diet and I was like, what am I eating? What, what are the ingredients that I'm actually eating when I eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich? And I couldn't believe my eyes. There's like a hundred ingredients in a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And I was just like, what am I, what the first, the second ingredient after chicken is MSG. Like, and I'm, I'm researching MSG and I'm finding out that they feed MSG to rats to make them fat in obesity studies so they can study cancer and heart disease and diabetes and rats. That's how they make them fat to begin with. And it's like, oh my goodness, like we're eating this stuff as humans. Well, as soon as I started to to connect all these dots. And just, I had this insatiable curiosity about everything I was eating. And I wanted to know the ingredients. And if I, they wouldn't tell me, if a company wouldn't tell me, or I couldn't find out, I would be just like the biggest pain in their ass. Like I just would go crazy on them. I would call, I would show up at different chains. I would ask managers to show me backs of packaging, packages in the background. Like I mean, that's how I got Chipotle, for example, to finally tell us what's in their food. And when they yeah. had this amazing marketing that said, you know, food with integrity and all this stuff, I really wanted to know if it was food with integrity. I found out they were using GMOs. I found out they were using inflammatory oils, all sorts of things that aren't really food with integrity. Well, when I called them out, not only did they respond like to a blog post that I wrote at the time, but they changed their ways and became the first food chain to remove all GMOs from their food, which was incredible. But um, maybe I'm jumping the gun on the story, but I do want to mention though, that I, I did when I, again, when I was sort of reading up on things, I love that you, you were on debate. So you, you naturally are obviously intelligent, but that you have a, you know, I think that's an interesting thing is to feel comfortable questioning and and to go in and when people it's like, oh God, here she comes again, to not let that deter you. You know, I have, I even think that's true. Like when we go to the doctor, it's like, it's okay if you're going to roll your eyes, I'm still going to ask you these questions, you know? So I thought, I thought that that was something you, you probably have naturally 
and that was is a really important uh, trait to be willing to be, yes, I am here to annoy you until I get an answer that feels fair to, to what I'm asking for. And I appreciate it, but maybe you could even, you know, talk about how you started looking into this and then you decided, okay, I'm going to start this. Basically, it's a blog. And whoever, I, I, I know you said your husband and your friends, um, maybe your husband's really the hero on this about the name. I thought that was pretty incredible that he, you, because you had a name like I would go for, you know, how to live your best forever or longevity, live longer, healthier. I'd be like, yes, that's so smart. And he's like, yeah, no. Yeah. I wanted to call the blog eathealthyliveforever.com. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? No one's going to remember that. That's the awful name. And he found Food Babe $10 on auction about 10 minutes later after this conversation, yelled it from the other room. We were living in a two bedroom apartment and yelled it from the other room. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's catchy. I was like, yeah, maybe. But I was like, am I the, am I the food babe? Who's the food babe? Like what's the, what's the food babe? Right. And I, I just said, okay, well, why don't I teach people how to become a food babe? And so for the first year and a half of my blog, I didn't even have my picture on there because I was, well, first of all, I was just scared to be on the internet in general. I was like of this mindset, maybe it's my Indian upbringing, whatever, but maybe my corporate upbringing too, was that I didn't want my boss to know anything about my personality or my personal life or anything. And I thought, you know, I was going to be like, you know, partner at this firm. I did not think that I was going to do what I'm doing now. And so I was never on Facebook, never on whatever, uh, what was before Facebook, MySpace, whatever, yeah. all these different platforms. I was on no social media when everybody else in the world I felt like was. And, and so I was like in this space of like, okay, I have this passion about sharing what I did to change my life. And, you know, I went from 30 pounds overweight, super sick on nine prescription drugs to zero prescription drugs, being able to maintain my weight with no dieting, just eating real food. And the people around me were like the people who worked with me and my friends and my family in my town of Charlotte. They were like, what are you doing, girl? You look mm -hmm. totally different than when I saw you when you were growing up, you know? And I wanted to tell them. Living in a place like Charlotte, you know, sometimes like certain places are harder to navigate eating well. First of all, you're in your 20s. What medication are you on? Everything. Um, so I was on four different medications just to control my asthma. So, you know, an antihistamine, then I had the albuterol inhaler, then I had the Advair puff one. And then I had another antihistamine because the other antihistamine maybe didn't work. So they were going to try two. So I was on four total medicines just to do that. Not to mention the bouts of prednisone and antibiotics that I would have to take when I would flare up, right? Because back then they just gave you antibiotics every time you did that, right? And then when I started to have struggling problems at work because I was overstressed and overworked and I had a real asshole boss that harassed me. I went to my doctor and was like, hey, I'm not sleeping. I'm really stressed out at work. What should I do? She didn't say quit my job. No, she prescribed Ambien, Xanax, and some Balta. So nine prescription drugs later. <laughs> How does that feel? It's one thing, the asthma, because the asthma sort of feels like, let's say you were just, um, you know, a, a real working person who's not in the space of health and wellness, let's say. You'd say asthma, that makes sense. I go to the doctor, it's asthma. But when they gave you, 
you know, these other medications, did anything inside of you go, hmm, I don't know. Or were you like, okay, I'm just going to, it's a doctor, it's a white coat, I'll just do what they say. Did any of that feel uncomfortable to you? At that point, I was so young, I, I just did what they said. Yeah. And I feel so stupid about that. And the fact that my, you know, like we have such an opportunity right now, Gabby, like we are, like we have so much information at our fingertips that our parents did not have. And the level of expert that you believe and you not believe has completely been broken up and yeah. changed. Oops, I didn't mean to hit the mic there. But yeah, the level of expert has been completely changed in terms of the definition of an expert and who you should believe and who sh you shouldn't believe. And, you know, my parents growing up were very, you know, to the book in terms of, oh, you're having asthma or you're having eczema. Let's go to the dermatologist. Oh, they want to give you a cortisone shot and put you on cortisone cream, you know, another two prescription drugs. Uh, sure. You know, and it's the doctor telling you to do this. It's not what we have today, which I feel like we're finally having an awakening moment where people are questioning, wait a minute, am I really supposed to be experiencing this eczema and asthma? Or are there other issues that are actually the root cause of these situations in my body? And can I explore those in a different way? And maybe there's a different way other than taking prescription drugs that have a litany of side effects and unknown effects uh, long term on the human body. Yeah. I just think it is important because people, you know, it is sort of unfair, you know, for them to be hard on themselves. But I think we are at a time now where there's just been enough of this story that I am always, you know, want to remind people that it is okay to question. And if something doesn't feel right for you or your child, I know you have two children. It's like, it's okay. And it's, and, and, and people might say, well, if you don't want it to get worse or what have you. And like you said, we have a lot of information, which makes it more confusing. So, you know, we have to, people have to be careful where they're getting information from, but, um, I just think it's important that they, you know, listen, we have our instincts for a reason. And I think it's, it's really a valuable thing. And, and also in a way, the fact that you went through that is, it probably had to happen because it makes you, you can relate. It's more powerful. Cause you're like, listen, I went through this stuff. I, you know, I took these things and then to look at you, you know, you're very, you have a, you know, you're glowing, your skin, you're, you're healthy. It's like, so I actually think it's more, there was something really valuable of ha about having to go through that so that you can say to people, Hey, I've, I've been through that. So 2014, you say, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah, well, it was 2000. I was actually 2011, 2011 okay. when I said Early. I would do this, right? But then, wow. no, I would start the blog. But I just secretly did the blog and worked at the same time. And I found myself every weekend spending the whole entire weekend, like 24 hours of research on like Subway or on Chipotle or whoever I wanted to investigate. And it's slowly to take taking over my mind at work. I mean, I was sitting there at, in work meetings thinking about my next investigation, what I wanted to do next. And then when Chick-fil-A responded to a post that I had written and wanted me to go fly down to their headquarters and consult with them, I knew then that like this probably is not the right job for me. I have a better call. I have a bigger calling to like change the food industry. And 
even though they did that and I took off work to go to that meeting, I still didn't quit my job because I was too scared to like tell my parents that I wanted to do this. But then luckily and happily, I was on a Christmas vacation in Machu Picchu, on top of Machu Picchu, where you don't get a lot of cell service, but my phone was on and my consulting contract at the bank was coming to an end and they were asking me if I wanted to renew it. And I looked over at my husband and we were sitting down for lunch and I said, I want to do it. I don't want to say yes. I want to do Food Babe full time. I want to be a food activist. And he says, well, what have you been waiting for? And like getting that response, not the response which was in my head was like, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Like we're responding, you know, you, you bring in half the income, like all these practical things going in my head that I've been, you know, programmed to believe. Um, he said the opposite. And it was just the, the resounding yes from him that just felt so good. And he had a job just like mine. And when I got back from that job, I remember he went to work and I was alone in their apartment and I was looking around and I could see all the people going down to work because we live downtown. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still in my PJs, like making zero money. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? And I suddenly actually started to research like, hey, what can I do? And I met this incredible, generous amazing soul who ended up becoming a very good friend of mine and now my business partner at Truvani, Derek Halpern. And he helped me figure out like what my audience would love that I could sell them so that I could support myself. And he's like, what do people always ask you for? And I'm like, oh, what I'm eating, my meal plans, everything. And so he's like, why don't you put that together every week for them and, and develop that into a program? And I was like, that's a great idea. I'll do that. And when I launched it, I launched it like this is how little business sense I had about online marketing or anything. Um, but I launched it on July 4th weekend, which was probably the worst idiotic idea ever. But I did. I launched it on July 4th weekend. But at least but, it is summer. At least it is summer, you know. Yeah. And at least it's summer, right? I mean, just idiotic thing to do. But I did that. And even though I did it on probably the worst weekend ever, we had so many people respond that I could not even keep up with the requests. And I asked my husband to help me all weekend. And then on Monday, I said to him, I said, hey, I can't do this alone. Look at this. This like could be amazing if we both work on it together. And he's like, I'll quit. No problem. Like It has not even looked back since that day. It was six months later. I mean, I have to organically pick up the thread. I just have to how is it working with your partner and how do you delegate those roles and deal with separating, putting a firewall between like, you know, your love life, your parental life together, your work life. Like how do you, cause it's not easy. How do you do that? Well, we met at work, which helped uh, initially. So we met at work several years before I started food babe. So, mm -hmm. and we were married, um, you know, we've been married now 16 years. So we were married for quite a while and we worked at three different jobs before that. And even though we worked at all these places together, we always had unique skill sets. Like he was the very technical uh, behind the scenes guy. And I was like the front giving the presentations and doing that kind of stuff. So, um, so it actually worked out really well in terms of boundaries because our, our job lines never really cross. Like one of us, what I'm interested in doing is not what he's interested in doing. 
So it's just this beautiful partnership. And I, I mean, I can tell you right now, I would not be where I am today without his expertise and help. I mean, especially the name Food Babe. But, um, you know, I just, uh, I can't even imagine um, him not being involved because he's kept the lights on, all the technology behind the scenes that I, yeah. like when, when I wanted to take on Kraft and Subway and start petitions, all the technology that goes up behind sending these signed petitions behind the scenes to these companies and gathering thousands and thousands and thousands of signatures on the website. I have no clue how to build that stuff, but he did. You know, he figured it out. I mean, it wasn't like what he did for a living, but he figured it out so that he could support my mission on what I wanted to do. Yeah, because what'd you do? Go to Kraft with like 40,000 signatures or something insane like that? It was 270,000 signatures. Whoa. Okay. I, I, don't, I remember hearing one of them, which was the first one where it was like, how do you go with 40,000, but no, five times that, six times that. So do you guys though have rules or kind of things about, okay, now we're at home or it's after 7 PM or we're with the kids or, cause it's hard. People don't realize when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, it sort of can be seven days a week. It sort of could be, you know, six to 10. It's like, it just depends on if there's fires happening or what's happening. Do you guys have a system in place or you just sort of know, like, you know what, we've been talking about work too much. We just need to connect as a couple or just be with our kids. Like, do you guys have anything in place? Well, yeah. I mean, there's been times where he'll approach me about a work question or some decision that needs to be made or something. And he approaches me like when I'm like turned off and I'm on the next, I'm focused with the kids or I'm focused on making dinner or I'm focused on something like packing for a trip. And he'll ask me about this. And I just like blow a fuse because I'm like, I'm not thinking about that right now. I cannot think about that right now. My mind's going in 18 different directions. I got naked kids running around circles around me, you know? So it's like, you know, so we've been in those situations and he now knows that like when I'm at my desk, when I'm in my office, he also needs to send an email or a text message. So I have like something to refer back to because otherwise if he just tells me in passing when we're in the house uh, or, you know, he's coming up from his office and on my office, it's like, it's, it's not working out. So yeah. he, he's learned the hard lesson that way. But I've also learned the hard lesson that he likes a lot of information. He doesn't like to deal with quick, quick um, descriptions of things. He wants he wants the full picture because he's dealing with technology. So he, if he, you know, makes a page and I'm like, can you make the page say this? And I really meant something else when you see it on paper. He's like, now I have to go back and, you know, redesign it, da, 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 da. And so I've learned too on my approach, which is always very fast. I need to sit down and methodically think about things before asking. Uh, I like that. That's, you know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Third. Thorough. I, I know. Instead of, well, it's also sort of almost like ideas and creativity meeting practical application. It's always a sort of an interesting intersection. So, speaking of petition, this was something that really important um, thing, a skill for you to develop in order to do what you were doing. How did you know 
kind of methodically. It's like, no, I have to go to these companies and make them be accountable because that's how change is going to occur. How did you, I mean? Well, I had seen this actually happen in the news at the time. Um, A lady by the name of Bettina Siegel took on Pink Slime and she started a petition and she got Pink Slime like removed from schools. And she ended up actually getting sued by these pink slime companies, which is awful. But she's a lawyer and she, she, you know, she got through it. She's an incredible person. Um, but she had done this. And I said, you know, how are we going to change? You know, there's one way to change the food industry in that you write about it. They respond favorably. Um, but what about these companies that just like ignore you and they just keep serving you crap? And one great example of this is actually Kellogg's. Kellogg's has served the worst possible products, I think, on the market, next to Frito-Lay. But um, they're all sugary cereals marketed towards children with a ton of artificial dyes in them that are linked to hyperactivity in children. Um, There's other questionable preservatives and other things used in their products. And the thing that kills me the most is that they're marketed towards children. And our children get hooked on these products because they see the different marketing images, the cartoon characters, the fun colors, and they want to eat this stuff. And of course, supermarkets put it at the very bottom shelf for all kids to find and see and be attracted to. And I'm noticing this now with my five-year-old and my one-and-a-half-year-old, and I see it when I take them to the grocery store. They see Mickey Mouse on a package and they want it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, you know, it's innate in there. Even though they don't watch Mickey Mouse that often, it's like they just know that's going to be cool to eat, you know. And a, a company like Kellogg's really makes me upset because when I petitioned them back in 2015, they said to get out of the bad press, fine, fine, we're going to remove artificial food dyes. It's going to take us three years, which the three years I called bullshit on because they already are making these same cereals overseas without artificial dyes. So they already have the recipe. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. And they could just literally make the same recipe for Americans, their own Americans, because they're an American company. So not only is this completely unethical and hypocritical, Mm -hmm. but the fact that they said they were going to do this by 2018, they didn't. And now it's 2022, and what have they done instead? Well, they still serve Fruit Loops with all of that crap in it, but they come up with new cereals, Baby Shark cereal, Unicorn cereal, all of these cereals that are more hip to what kids are watching these days to get them Mm -hmm. hooked on this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it includes the artificial dyes that they said they were going to remove. If they're going to create these products from scratch all of a sudden new, shouldn't they do them the right way? Right. And- Right now we have like, I think close to 60,000 signatures on that petition. And that was one that I was going to deliver, but the pandemic happened. Um, And so it was like, no one's in the office, like no one's traveling, nothing's happening. And then I got pregnant during the pandemic because what are we going to do? Yeah. It's like being in a hurricane. It's like, well, what are we going to do now? Well, okay. You know? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It wasn't like that. I mean, I really wanted to have a baby. So no, I wanted to have a baby. And so, you know, 
that happened. And now I'm kind of re-energized about like, I need to go deliver these petitions because I don't know what else to do. And I also, I even joined their quarterly call and asked this question, like, what happened? Why didn't you make this change? And mm-hmm. uh, they didn't what did have they a say? very good response. They, they didn't? They, they basically were like, you know, we, we're, 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 you know, we're, we take the ingredients of our products with integrity. I mean, a very um, oh, standard, standard answer, completely mm-hmm. avoiding the situation. So, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe we can just quickly remind uh, the listener that in Europe, it's sort of, hey, we, these are these are things that we're going to be careful, precautionary. It's unknown what they're going to do to us. But in the U.S., we're like, well, we don't know what it's going to do, so it's okay, put it in, and and that's that's pretty standard. Do we know, like, let's put our accounting hats on for a second. Let's say, because you said like, hey, they already have the formulas on how to do it right, the recipes that are tested that they already produce. Do we know if the margins are that weirdly different? They're actually not. The The margin of the actual ingredient is not, but here's where they lose money, shelf life. The stability, so shelf stability. the ingredient itself isn't yeah. that much more but it's the shelf life. If you use real paprika and real beta carotene versus a petroleum-based dye, a petroleum-based dye will just sit on the shelf forever. Right. And But a paprika and beta carotene, that'll break down over time. So that's where they lose the money is the shelf life because that's how you know uh, those legacy companies who have retail footprint in every single grocery store across you know, the world um, maintain their um, their presence, and you you know this with uh, layered um, layered oh, superfoods, right? D- listen, and- don't. I mean, I do you know what a tocopherol is? Yes. It's, okay, so like I've had I've had more long hour conversations about why we can't use tocopherols, right? Like, l- you know, listen, and 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 to your point, shelf stability. Like we have we have a bar that we just finished, but it's like, you know. It's it's a, such an interesting dance of six months, one year, because you have real ingredients and all these things. But do you ever feel from what you're seeing? I'm just curious. Do you think it's because obviously you're in the battle? So I, I believe when we pick fights, it's because we have to. But also maybe there's something deep in, uh, inside of us that go, you know what? People in the end, maybe they could do the right thing. It couldn't possibly all be about money. Like we wouldn't be poisoning our children, right? Um, but that, do you think that they're gonna get it, or it's just they're gonna hide behind and throw money at food lobbyists, and we're just gonna stay here? Or do you do you think um, that something's gonna change because everyone go, well, the FDA lets them make it? I've heard even people I work with um, that actually don't stay at the company say things like, well, that's industry standard, and I'm like, well, we know how good that is. Do you see anything showing up that's saying, oh, it's starting to move in a better direction or are people doubling down? So Gabby, you know, going through years of going up against these companies and only making, you know, incremental changes at these companies and and, and the industry as a whole has gotten better. I mean, people like Papa John's, for example, I didn't start a petition against them, but just wrote about them. And they took out all the artificial ingredients. You know, if you if you look at Papa John's ingredients versus Domino's, it's way better. And this is the case across the board. Panera Bread. There's so many other chains out there. And then 
the reason why I felt the need to start my own company, Truvani, is because I wasn't making enough progress. Like mm. I actually felt like I was going backwards. And in a way, after I became a mother, I lost some of that rebellious kind of in your face, um, put myself in a dangerous position, um, uh, fearlessness, if you will, because all of a sudden I have these two amazing kids to take care of and they're the next generation. And like, I have such an obligation to them first. And I said, well, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, when I was taking on the food industry in a big way and I was getting written up in all of these magazines and journals and front page of newspapers all over the world, people were coming after me hard. Well, yeah, and you're messing with they, their bottom line. Not only... Would you, yeah. And I mean, with, just to I mean. change, like, for example, after getting Subway to remove azodicarbonamide from their bread, you know, they had to change every single one of their chains. They were number one fast food chain in the world at the time. Now they're not even close to that. Well, can and you explain just, that ingredient it, just so people know what they were, when it was baking, what was happening? Yeah. So uh, azodicarbonamide is an ingredient that is used in bread to um, produce uh, appropriate air bubbles in it so that it's uniform. So for example, they also use it in yoga mats and shoe rubber. So when you fold over a yoga mat or see the side of a yoga mat, you kind of see little air bubbles or in shoe rubber, you see little air bubbles evenly dispersed. Well, that's azodicarbonamide doing that. And so they were putting this in the bread to do the same. So when you would go to a Subway, you would be eating the same bread if that was in Timbuktu or your backyard. So it didn't matter. They wanted the, the food to look and taste the same in every single subway. And that these are the industrial chemicals they would use. The problem with that is when it's heated, it turns into semi-carbicide, which is a considered a cancerous, you know, a, a cancer risk. And then also when it's used industrial to the workers, it gives them asthma and lung problems. So if you got caught using this in Singapore, you would get fined $450,000 and it was banned all over the globe. But in the United States, Subway was using it, you know, free will. So um, this is an ingredient that, you know, really took the national stage and put me on the national stage because it was so, you know, it was just, it was, it was so ridiculous that yoga mat material, you know, yoga mat chemicals were being put in Subway bread, which you know, all of us knew the, the tagline eat fresh. Right. And that was not fresh. So, right. um, but yeah, a lot of money is at hand. And I mean, the entire azodicarbonamide chemical industry basically is gone now. Every single bread manufacturer across America has removed that ingredient almost. I mean, I would say there's maybe one or two brands that I know of that still have it, but I'm talking every single bread that you would find at the grocery store nature's own, all the bimbo bakeries, all that stuff had azodicarbonamide in it too. And they had to remove it after this campaign. So that whole chemical industry is just gone. And so I had all the, the paid for crazy, um, you know, industry people coming after me saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. I don't, I'm not a scientist. I'm, um, I'm a bimbo from one of the head poncho front group industry people, um, Rick Berman. I'm actually going to frame that uh, article. It was, it was in the Washington Post and put it on my, put it in my office because I'm so proud of that because this guy is such a 
dirtbag. But anyways, yeah. I mean, this is the guy that goes up against like people like mothers against drunk drivers. I mean, he's just yeah. an evil, evil person. He's actually called actually 60 Minutes labeled him as Dr. Evil. But anyways. Um, but how do you how do you have and I, I want I'll, I'll switch away from this in a second. But do you lose sleep on those days where you're like, no, I'm trying to be a good person and my, you know, how could they say that about me? And also like you, you got an education, you have a, you know, you had a career, you opted to take this on. It's like, I'm trying to be thoughtful. I'm trying to be informed and do this seriously. And then someone can just easily, and I just think it's important for people to remember this just because I say, Oh, you're a bimbo or you don't, this is, Oh, Oh, you think you're a scientist. Um, you know, it's very easy for people to be dismissive. How do you not, how do you say, I'm going to stay in touch with who I know who I am? Where did you get that from? It, it was difficult. I, I have to tell you, it was very difficult. After my first book came out, and I think it was right after Time Magazine had named me one of the most influential people on the internet. And it was, mm -hmm. like, it was 20 other individuals. And it was people like Barack Obama and Kim Kardashian and I mean, people that I like never thought I would be in the same magazine with compared to like in a million years, right? And when the food industry saw that, they went bonkers. They went, oh, oh goodness, no, no, no. We cannot give this girl any credit. Mm. And, um, you know, there was a huge campaign to come after me to the point where they even hoodwinked the New York Times reporter doing a profile piece on me to the point where he, she interviewed three industry people, all being funded by either the caramel color industry that I was going against in Starbucks um, pumpkin spice lattes, the caramel coloring yeah. that's not the caramel coloring you get from like cooking sugar and butter together, but it's like made from ammonia. It's a, a cancer risk. And then there was a person who was taking money directly from Bayer, which was uh, related to GMO crops. And then Monsanto, also GMO crops that I was pointing out in all of these foods, like the Chipotle decision to remove all GMOs from their food as a result of what I was writing really put me on the map in terms of people paying, you know, big, huge chemical corporations paying detractors to come after me online, develop mm -hmm. astroturfing groups. I mean, there was a whole Facebook group just dedicated to literally watching everything I did and then commenting negatively about it and being ready to react in the comments. And this was being paid for by Monsanto. So you, do you just decide, hey, you know what? I know what this is. I get it. We're sort of in warfare. I'm moving on. Or do you indulge, look at it, reread it? If oh, you're on I, an I did it all. I mean, I, yeah. I let it go. I went completely nuts. I'd be like, you know, at, at certain times where yeah. I would have, I, I remember this uh, moment. I don't know if you know her, but Gabrielle Bernstein. Sure. Um, she's an incredible spiritual thought leader. And sh I, I'm thankful that she's one of my friends. I called her and I was like, what do I do? I am, I am like, I cannot handle this level of attention, criticism, comments. I don't know what to do. I mean, the first thing she said, she's like, you need to turn off Google alerts. Anytime someone mentions Food Babe, Bonnie Hari, you need to turn that off. That has not been on for the last seven years. Right. I have not, I don't even know when I am written up in the press. I don't want to know. It doesn't affect my daily work. I continue moving towards the mission of informing people about what's really in our food, creating products that I wish to see in the world at Truvani. And that's what I'm focused on. And raising my kids to be the next generation, hardcore 
activists in terms of not hardcore activists in the way, but hardcore, like knowledgeable kids about food. Like I want them to know every single ingredient and what they're eating so they can teach other people and they know, and they have this information for the rest of their lives. And, you know, when I, when I see my daughter ask if something has artificial food dye in it, it's a beautiful thing to watch, to see her through her own brain, figure out if it's something that she wants to eat at a party, at an event, you know, et cetera. You know, it's an, I I just keep bringing that up because I just want to, you know, also remind people that if we're going to do anything, it's there, there's a lot of challenges and sometimes it can be very uncomfortable and I just don't think it's any way around it. And, and so I want to slide over, uh, to kind of some of the information part of it, like literally nuts and bolts of, uh, eating, um, and I, I want to remind people, so you have the Food Babe Way book from 2015, you have Feeding Your Lies 2019, Food Babe Kitchen, and then you do have a book coming out next year that is Food Babe Family. Um, so I just want to let people know. And um, so let's let's just talk about food for a second, because people always talk to me, and, and I know that people are stressed out, um, and, and uh, there's always the economics to think about. I try to be, you know... It's like, we have to be aware of that. Um, but let's, if someone says, okay, you know, I'm going to go to the market. What should I really look out for, you know, in your mind? Cause I know people are asking you this all the time. What is it that you, you would armor people with, um, going to the store to say, just really try to keep this stuff out of your house or only actually let's make it simpler. This is the only stuff you should put in your house. Yeah. So, you know, anything that comes out of a package. So like, you know, keeping it to the perimeter of the grocery store, whole real foods, um, beans, nuts, seeds, um, great oils like coconut oil and olive oil and grass-fed butter to cook with, um, uh, meats, uh, you know, cheeses, everything's up for grabs in terms of that as long as it's raised um, in a way that you want to consume that meat. You don't want to be consuming meat that's been raised on a factory farm with antibiotics and growth hormone. You want to be raising, you want to eat meat that's, you know, been grass fed their whole life or is raised in a pasture when it comes to chickens. And you can eat a fantastic diet that way, eating fruits, vegetables, whole grains, meats, uh, raw cheeses. I love raw cheeses. Those are readily available just about everywhere now. And, um, and, and cooking with great oils like that. And you can, you can really beat out 90% of the pitfalls in a grocery store, just eating that way. Mm-hmm. But here's the, here's the caveat. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of planning meal prep in terms of planning ahead, knowing what you're going to cook, having the ingredients in your house, um, is half the battle. And then once you have those ingredients, it's, it's pretty easy to put together, recipes that are fast and easy to make. I mean, I don't make anything that takes a long time because I just don't have the time to do it. I have my standard like kind of list of things that I go to and and that's what we do. The kids love it and I make, you know, different vegetables every day to keep it interesting and and it's 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 what I do in Food Babe Kitchen if anybody wants to go and read that book and see the recipes in that. I mean, and in Food Babe Family, that's going to be coming out. It's going to be really about how I navigate the world that we live in 
because we live in a really uh, interesting place in that I would say 99% of the people that live in America don't eat like I do, or maybe like you either, Gabby. Well, it's a setup, right? Like it is a setup, you know, between every, you know, people being medicated and not being, feeling great and then having their microbiome all out of whack because of these medicines. And then, um, I sometimes feel like the worse we feel, the quick, the more we're apt to grab these foods, uh, on top of it. So I, I think it's a really a heavy duty setup that when people go, it's not my fault. My, the old me 15, ooh, 15 or 20 years ago, sorry about that, would have been like, well, of course it's your fault. But the more I've really paid attention to the, the way it is set up, it's like, actually, you know what? It is, you have to work hard not to live in that. And so I really honor that it's a struggle by no means are we sitting here saying, Hey, this is easy. But the whole point is how do we make this a priority? It's hard. It's important. What's the alternative? And so I think, um, you know, I think the other tricky thing is, and you talk a lot about are the the inflammatory oils. I'm, I'm, I say this, you know, to ad nauseum about really even encouraging, like try to make your own salad dressing. Is it as exciting? It isn't, um, you know, maybe primal kitchen and a few others, that's kind of like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. Now, if someone's sitting there and they go, Hey, I'm young or I'm single or I'm very busy or all the above, I microwave my food. Is there anything on the market? I don't own a microwave. Um, is there anything on the market that you could actually microwave that is just not going to crush your health or is it just like, forget it? I don't know. Well, I'm I just, just like a genuine I, just, I don't put anything in a microwave to eat. So um, that's Is a, there a brand? A is there something? And the, the other thing I always worry about is there's no nutrition in it. So even if like maybe the ingredients were here nor there, it's like, there, is there any nutrition any longer in this food product? Any minerals, any enzymes, anything? It depends the ingredients. And I, you know, I haven't looked at the frozen food space in terms of what they've created. I mean, there's, there's these new innovative products. Like, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. Um, Hugh kitchen developed it, um, snow days, they're little pizza bites and they're grain free and they're organic. And, Uh um, but I have to tell you, they taste processed, you know, you stick them in the oven, you warm them up, you can microwave them, whatever. They just, they taste, they don't taste great. You know, they might be great ingredients. They just don't taste great, but I, I think that you're saying make it for, so someone, what if, who's, for yeah. someone who's super busy and they need a quick meal. I am all for smoothies. And this is, you know, I love a smoothie a day. And for my smoothie, every single day at lunch, I just find that lunch is the best time for me to do a smoothie because I can keep working and I can bust everything out before the kids get home from school and like the whole thing. Um, and so, or my one child gets home from school, but the other one's napping. So it's like this, you know, it's like this, you know, balance of how much can I get done in that time? Right. And so, um, I, every day I do Truvani protein plus greens, uh, Truvani collagen, which is a marine collagen. Um, I don't eat any beef products and, and so that's why we developed that. But, uh, and then I put in a ton of different greens that I'm growing in my vegetable garden, whatever's growing, I just throw it in there. And then celery, cucumber, huge chunk of ginger, like so spicy, um, fresh lemon juice from a from the fresh squeezed lemon, and either uh, a green apple 
or maybe a pear or something or banana, whatever fruit, berries, whatever, just, just like one serving of fruit. And, and I just blend it up and it's just so delicious. And it's the best fast food. It takes me less than 10 minutes, maybe even seven minutes to make and wash everything and like get it in there and blend it and even clean the blender. Seven minutes, you can't yeah. beat that. That's faster than a McDonald's drive-thru, you know? Yeah. And like everything, there's a learning curve. So I feel like the more you do this stuff, it's even prep food at home, all of it, you just get f- better at and more efficient. And I like that you have something fibrous in there because I'm always trying to encourage people to make sure they're getting that fiber and, and, um, and just sort of those, those best ingredients. So what if somebody is traveling? I know that you uh, ha- have sort of navigated how to you know, get it done on the road because that is the kicker, right? Like that's the one that gets you. Yes. Oh, traveling will totally take you off your routine. You'll be, you know, exposed to all sorts of foods that you don't normally eat at home and you can gain weight really quickly. And you can also just feel bad, right? Eating that food that's oversalted, et cetera. So I used to travel with like a little cooler and I would literally like either take it on board with me or check it. And, and it, it was totally fine. I would put in frozen soups. I would put in salads especially if I was going for like a three-day work trip, I would have enough in there to like last at least one meal a day. And then maybe I would go eat out some of the meals, but I would find the places that or you know, who specialize in plant-heavy meals. And so that really, you know, brought, like when I was traveling to Detroit, I had never thought about being vegan or even knew about vegan culture at all until I started going to Detroit for work and found all of these amazing vegan restaurants that were plant heavy. And so I could eat like super clean and healthy. Even though I wasn't vegan, I went to all these places and was able to eat like healthy, awesome vegetables. And yeah, I would have meat like if I went to a different place or, you know, back home or whatever, but I didn't have to worry about like factory farm meat or like you know, eating some processed meat someplace, I would just right. go to these vegan places and it was delicious. And so I found my little joints. And then on top of that, I would go there for like dinner one night, but I'd say, Hey, can I order this dish too? Because then I'm going to eat that for lunch, um, out of the office fridge the next day. Right. right. And then breakfast was always easy for me. Cause it was like fruit. And I would, I would take these little organic, oat baggies that I would make in little Ziplocs and I'd throw protein powder on top and then I would like put hot water on it and stir it up in a little Starbucks cup in my hotel room and and then put fruit on there and it was like breakfast on the go. And so I was eating relatively healthy just having these hacks. And what's really funny and you're going to laugh is back in the day when I had to have coffee uh, on the road, I never liked the coffee at the hotel because it wasn't organic. And so I found this instant organic coffee brand that actually tasted really good. And I just would carry it with me. And I had my little hot water heater and it's like this, you know, it's like this big, it's like, you know, it's, it's probably like half a liter or something. And, um, I would plug it into my hotel room. I would heat up my water and I would pour it in there and I would literally travel with organic, coconut milk powder and stir that in there like like layered superfood creamer right and stir that in there and it was delicious and it was frothy and so good and um I even filmed a video on this you can find it on YouTube of my little travel coffee hack is what I call it so if you google food babe travel coffee hack this is what I did on the road yeah. and before layered superfood but um 
and uh, and I would make my own little concoction in in the hotel rooms, and I was having organic coconut milk based coffee as opposed to this hotel coffee that was like ridden with pesticides. And I I just want to say that like someone could hear this and go, oh, but that sounds complicated. But it's simply that you've made the choice that this is important. And I think once we decide that uh, the things that we're eating, it's really valuable to pay attention to that, you'll find, you can find a way. But I just wanted you to share that. Let's say someone goes to a business meeting and they have to go out to dinner. Do you ask any specific questions if you know, you're at a dinner? And I, I'd have to say that I do find it amusing that you found uh, the best veganism situation in Detroit, but that's for another time. I mean- <laughs> You went to Detroit to do plant. I know it's the, cool. the most unlikely places, but they actually have an amazing scene there. It's incredible. yeah, because it's so beat down. It's re-sprouting in this new way. That's why you know. But I thought that was funny. So if you go, let's say you're who you know you're sitting in Chicago and you're meeting about something. Is there anything you're going to ask the server uh, just as a, a educational cue to somebody? Yeah, before before I order a chicken at any place, I ask like, "What's the farm you get?" And now that we have our phones, I can Google the farm in like two seconds, right? Um, I love barbecue. I love barbecue. Being from the south, and there's a barbecue joint like walking distance from my place. I go in there and I ask them where they get their barbecue from. Smithfield. I'm like, oh goodness! And based on my research, like Smithfield is raising the pork here in North Carolina. But you know where they go and they process it. They literally take the pork, send it to China to process, add a bunch of awful ingredients and chemicals, and then send it back. And it, these pigs are treated so horribly. It's awful. So why, anyways, how, I just- How um, can that be more cost effective? <laughs> it is more cost effective to process meat in China. It's absolutely insane. So anyway, so I knew when they told me Smithfield, like, nope, not going to eat here. Sorry. I don't care if it's walking distance, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, just knowing that, like, I, I can't, can't do it. And I think that's, that's the part where I really hope that because I'm, it's my mission to teach people and to tell people where their ingredients come from and to educate people about good products, like by producing awesome ones at Truvani. Like, I hope people get to the point where, like, I know so much information about this. I'm going to make a good decision because I don't want to eat that. Yep. I want to just kind of end on if you can really, because I know this gets people uh, natural flavors. What what does that mean? So I, I, this is like, it's so funny when you asked earlier, like, what should people avoid in the grocery store? Oh, no, no. What should people eat instead? Well, I, I think one of the, you know, you, you mentioned inflammatory oils. So inflammatory oils definitely avoid at the grocery store that you would get rid of 85% of the products in the mid um, section of the grocery store just by removing corn, soy, and canola oil from your diet. Um, they are really uh, messing with our ability to protect ourselves from cancer, heart disease, diabetes, every disease known to, you know, modern man. But Natural flavor is what actually keeps us hooked to processed foods. These are engineered chemicals and flavors that are the one millionth best part of a taste that our bodies love to consume, that they literally are hacking into our brains, figuring out what makes those triggers go off and those receptors in your brain that 
create cravings and they're creating chemicals based on that. And the same scientists that created addiction in tobacco are the same scientists that are working in Kraft and Kellogg's and other places now to create these products and are working at these chemical factories to create these flavors that are addictive. And for me, I don't want my taste buds being hijacked by anybody. When I eat food, I want it to be the real food. I want to know what it's supposed to taste like. When I eat a cookie, I want it to taste like a cookie. I don't want it. I don't want I don't want this hyper flavor in my mouth lingering so that I'm thinking about that cookie and eating another and another and another. I I want to stop when I'm satiated. And the only way our bodies can naturally do that is for it to not be hijacked by these chemical made laboratory chemicals. I saw a 60 minutes interview, you probably saw it years ago, where they were interviewing the scientists and they said, So let's get this straight. You create something like there's 30 types of strawberry flavor and it hits your palate 10 times or whatever more stronger than it ever could be in nature and it disappears. So in what way does that not lend itself to overeating? And the guy's like, I don't see the correlation. It's like, you know, the expression, like you can't just eat one. You're right. It's, it's a really thing. So I think for a lot of, especially busy, crazy moms are running around and they go, well, it says natural flavors. Um, and, and I just, you know, want to remind them artificial and natural, it's not so wildly different. So yeah, Yanni, I really, like I said, at the top of this, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Cause I know it's not easy. I know that you've had to, you know, take a lot of heat for it, but it is also part of the change. I, I, I want you to know too. And I know, you know, this, there are people in all fields that are saying exactly the same things to you. I, I just talked to a GI specialist. I've t- psychotherapists from Harvard, scientists, they're all, you guys are all on the same page. So I do feel like there is sort of this organic movement. Um, so it does make me feel hopeful. Um, before we, we go, please, um, you know, if you have an invitation that you would like to give to my listeners or leave them with any, without being funny food for thought, I'd like you to do that or if I've really missed something that feels important to you. So there's this three-question detox that I mentioned at the end of my book, Feeding You Lies, and I think it's so critical for people to recognize it's so easy to eat well when you ask yourself these three questions. The first question is, what are the ingredients? You just got to know what you're eating. You need to find out if you don't know and then you need to ask yourself, are these ingredients nutritious? And you can quickly understand if they are or not. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure it out. You don't have to be a nutritionist. You can look and see, you know, is the ingredient an apple nutritious? Of course it is. But is it these apple chips that have natural flavor added to them? Hmm, is natural flavor nutritious? No, there's nothing in natural flavor that's actually improving my nutrition in the human body, right? And then the third question is, where do these ingredients come from? And that's a question that you know will let you deeply explore where your food is coming from. Is it coming from, uh, you know, is it a strawberry, conventional strawberry grown with pesticides? Is that something you want to buy? Or maybe you want to try the organic strawberry because it's one of the dirty dozen crops that are the highest sprayed with um, herbicide. Or do you want to, you know, look at the meat that you're 
buying and where that comes from and how those animals are treated and what kind of drugs those animals are given. Is that something that you want in your body? And if you just ask these yourself these three questions, every time you sit down for a meal or you choose a meal, you will make better decisions because you're asking yourself all the important things that actually matter to what you put in your body. Amen. Can you just remind people all of the places that they can find you? And I want to remind people too, that you, you really share a ton of free recipes and things um, on your social media. So it's, it's not just all that stuff's in your books. It's like you give away a ton of it and give some inspiration and, and great suggestions, but just remind people all the places they can connect with you. Sure. Um, you can come on over to foodbabe.com and see everything we're doing there, like all the investigations and all the information, tons of free information there, as well as on Instagram at the food babe and check out my product company, Truvani. We have organic protein powders, amazing bars, um, supplements. Uh, we have worked very hard to remove all of the unnecessary chemicals that are created or have been typically added to supplements over the years. We've removed them out. We've created supplements without them because a lot of these chemicals really just don't deserve to be in your body. So. Yeah. I love people are putting energy into doing supplements and then it's filled with like other weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. So if people go to, um, to the website, if they want to participate or also become, you know, sort of part of this fight that you're in and a mission to kind of make people more accountable and companies, food companies more accountable, they can get that information there. Yes, absolutely. At okay. Foodbabe.com. Yeah. Bonnie Hari, thank you for your time. Thank you too, Gabby. It was a pleasure. It was really just a highlight of my week. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you want to learn more, there is a ton of valuable information on my website. Head to the link in the show notes and click gabbyreese.com to find a full breakdown with helpful links to studies, research, books, products, and more. Stay tuned for a bonus episode coming this Thursday where I go deeper on one of the topics that really resonated with me. If you have any questions for my guests or even myself, please send them to at gabbyreese on Instagram. If you feel inspired, please hit the follow button, leave a rating, and a comment. It not only helps me, it really helps the show grow and reach new listeners. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.